reverse layup. Oh, wow. What a spectacular coast to coast. Earning the Sixers a fresh 24. Iverson behind his back. Yes! For the 76ers, Iverson. Bothered by Lewis. Iverson. Yes. How about that? It steps over to Ron Lewis. I mean, it, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Not a game. Not, a, not, not the game that I go out there and, and die for and play every game like it's my last. Not the game. We're talking about practice, man. I mean, how silly is that? And we're talking about practice. Hey, <laughs> welcome, welcome back to Jeff Needs Sports, everybody. Uh, I think I think everyone has a clue now to what today's subject is. Uh, this is my new project called Icons, part of the Off the Ball Network exclusives. And um, the first one we're going to do is Allen Iverson. So essentially, this show is just going to be digging into some of the most important, controversial, groundbreaking, historical figures, games, movies, uh, teams, and the history of sports. And uh, f first up is uh, Allen Iverson. And of course, uh, for my for the premiere show, I had to get I had to get my uh, my main man, the guy that has uh, it's been about a year that we've been working together now, actually. Yeah. And uh, he's been there for me every time. Uh, Couch Coach Live, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. How you doing, Paul Father? I'm feeling good. I, this, I've been I've been working on this project for a while. I'm thinking about it a lot, and I'm really ex I'm really excited for it. And uh, I'm excited that you uh, you know agreed to be my my first guest, and we can do this uh, together, man. And we're gonna launch this together. Yes, indeed, definitely, um, definitely um, honor and a privilege for that. Definitely appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, it's gonna be cool, man. So um, yeah, so that's it. We're talking we're talking about Allen Iverson. We're talking about the answer. You know, uh, just a. Just, just an all-around amazing figure in the history of sports. Uh, not just basketball fans worldwide, and it's it's going to be a fun show. So let's, let's just kick it off, man. Um, you know, nickname the answer. He's born June seventh, nineteen seventy-five. So he's a fellow seventy-fiver. Uh, he's listed as six foot one sixty-five. Um, I told Coach, I'm like, that's a, that's if he had a backpack full of monkey wrenches and so and platform shoes. But um, tr truly one of the undersized uh, Hall of Fame players ever. I uh, went to Georgetown University for a couple years. Uh, drafted first in 1996 by the Philadelphia 76ers. 96-97 <laughs> Rookie of the Year. Oh, uh, the 2000-2001 NBA MVP. 11-time All-Star. Four-time scoring champ. Three-time steals leader. 24,368 career points. That's 30th all-time. 26.7 per game average. That's seventh all time. Average six assists and 3.7 rebounds for his career. Uh, played 914 games. He started 901 of those at, at that size, man. It's amazing. Played third, he played 37,584 minutes in his career. That's 58th all time. All time. Uh, average, and this is it. This is the one that stood out, man. This is what separates him from every other human. He averaged 41.1 minutes a game for his entire career. 
That means he played basic. He played 90% of every game that he ever was able to. It's, it's just, just amazing, man. The, the, and, and the stats are amazing, but like visually is what blows your mind. But uh, and it, what stood out about the stats, man? He he lived by what he said. He played every game like it was his last. When you yeah. look at that stat, that's indicative of what you just said. The forty-one, you think about it, it's a forty-eight game, forty-eight minute game. He <laughs> only sits less than seven minutes. <laughs> six point six minutes. He's on the bench of a forty-eight minute <laughs> basketball game. And, and he know, and he notoriously wanted to fight his coach. Most of them were well, not most of them. A lot of them were Larry Brown, famously. Uh, they were yeah. a match made in heaven. But he notoriously wanted to fight his coach every time he got pulled out of the game. Larry Brown said one time, he he said, um, <laughs> he's he said I hated pulling Iverson out of the game. And you're like, why? And he's like, it was the same every time. He said every time I ever pulled him out of the game, he he gave he gave me the uh, f you and you know and f this and and, and cussed him out every time. It was a just a a fiery player. Um, we'll, we'll kind of get into that, but uh, so so we'll just kind of go down through the timeline here. Um, you know, Iverson, his historic athlete. So he, uh, Hampton, Virginia. I don't know where when. Do you know or Newport News, right? Yeah, basically. Newport yeah. News, right? Newport. Mm-hmm. Um, now you you're a Virginia guy. Yeah. Uh, what like. Uh, Basically, we all know what we know about Newport News as as fans. As we know, Allen Iverson came from there. Uh, we know Michael Vick famously came from there. We know it's it's it portrayed us not an easy place to grow up. Um, like, what do you know about Newport News? Maybe you could. Yeah, I mean, basically, if, if I you know basically to sum it up, the you know the nickname for Newport News is bad news. So essentially, okay. so it's it is somewhat of a it's a, it is a rough area. Um, definitely, um, true and, and, you know, indicative of, you know, what he's been through, you know, and then a lot of it, you know, a lot of struggle of other athletes as well. You, you that, that area really ties to it. And, you know, when they say bad news, it's, it's, it's really bad news. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, man, like just in your, in your opinion, you know, you, you know, mm-hmm. way more about the area and where all this, you know, took place than I do. Um, what, what would you how how impressed are you that somebody comes out of that area to be a, uh, a you know an historic professional athlete like Iverson or Vic or something like that? It's it's amazing and and it's funny because that was the era where a lot of those guys you know from what we call we deem it as the seven five seven area where you you talked about him and also another guy um, one of my childhood idols uh, Ronald Courage from Francisco um, Burris it's a lot oh, of guys D'Angelo Hall it's a lot of those guys. And it's just it's it's amazing to me that in that cluster, in that that in that just that area code alone, you had those type of athletes, and it was literally like a hotbed for for a good almost twenty years, where you you know where you have guys that came out of the area, and even you know before them, Lawrence Taylor's from the area. So you yeah. look at so yeah, I mean it's it's amazing to think when you look at it from a, from the totality of it that all those guys made it out in that. That same somewhat of a geographical area in the seven by seven area is amazing. And, and that's Al Navison is just it's incredible. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. You know, of course, of course, we know um, you know, or maybe everybody doesn't know he was one of the best football players in the country Ooh. in high school. Two state championships, right? Or at least one. I know it was one state, but yeah, yeah, because in one year he won basketball and football. That's right. Um, cause in and, and what's crazy football, he was a quarterback. 
Sometimes he played running back. He was a kick returner <laughs> and he was a cornerback. Matter oh, of fact, oh man, I like it's crazy because I'm telling you, this this man was legit. Like he yeah. like he could have any if he wanted to play football the next level, he probably could have. He would yeah, he would have got an opportunity. He's as big as Kyler Murray, who's who's a number one pick in the NFL. Like he would he right. Yeah, that's a yeah, it's amazing. Like I've went, you know, you go back and watch these football highlights. It's stacked. Yeah, uh, athletic. <laughs> and when we talk about a pure athlete, we're talking about a pure athlete. Uh, yeah. We'll get into his practice habits, you know, yeah. maybe later on. But uh, he is a he is a natural pure athlete. That um, it, it, he's just a you know, a lot of his teammates all they said basically he didn't sleep. And he loved Taco Bell. I mean, that that was his, <laughs> his training regiment, man. Uh, really crazy stuff. That's funny. You mentioned all these guys coming out of that area, and they all got that. They all have kind of an edge to them. Like every guy you mentioned, like man, these guys are. They got a. They got. I don't want to. I almost. I can't make that uh, reference. I almost said something about anyway. Uh, they, they got a. They got a. A tenacity to them, yep. you know, and a chip on their shoulder. And Iverson played with a chip the size of. You know, was twice the size of him on his shoulder. Really, really amazing stuff. Um, so uh, he he comes. You know, so <laughs> he's one of the best athletes in the country. One of the best, you know, highly regarded athletes in the country. And then he has the uh, what what I labeled as the Hampton, Virginia, Bowling Alley incident, which yeah. which really, you, I mean, it completely derailed his path. And 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 changed the his you know changed the, his story. It changed you know the the history of Allen Iverson. So essentially, what happened? You you can help me out here. I'll, you know, if people don't know, they can look it up, watch the documentary. It's thirty for thirty. Yes, yeah. Go ahead, man. No, you go ahead. You take. Yeah. So basically, um, he and a couple friends they were at a bowling alley. Um, you know, from a, a then a, a, a opposing. Um, I think I forgot it. Pawakasin. I, I know I'm missing the name, but there um, a couple other high school, uh, another high school, a rival high school. They kind of all came together in this bowling alley, and then you know, then there was just a big brawl that ensued. And essentially, what ended up happening was they put pit him into this crime, pretty much saying that he threw a chair at a woman. Yeah. And actually, they charged him, which which was weird. It was like a um, maiming by by force or something like that. It's almost kind of, you know, a, a almost like a not like a hate crime type of situation, but something that's like kind of far and extreme. Yeah, and, like aggravated um, assault. Yeah, aggravated assault. Yeah, some of that nature. And now imagine he was 17 at the time and they charged him as an adult. Yeah. And you know, and then he ended up he was at, at that time they were looking at he was facing up to 60 years in prison. <laughs> but I think he ended up getting 15 and then I think five ended up being um I think he got he had ten. Okay, he got, no, he got fifteen years. I think I forgot how many years was suspended. <laughs> but lo and behold, luckily the governor at the time, uh, Doug Wilder, um, essentially pardoned him. I think in nineteen ninety five. Hence, um, so, yeah, yeah. What he spent? He spent about five months in prison. Correct? Five months. Yeah, yeah. I think. And this is like this is his you know senior years when he's he's completely derailed. Um, you know. Yeah. And it's it's widely accepted now that it was a complete railroading. Um, mm-hmm. Essentially, you know, I know there's a lot of um, you know uh, uh, race backstory to it. You know, mm-hmm. if you watch the documentaries and stuff, um, I mean, it's it's agreed. And I know that a big part of it was they finally they they come up with a video, which was a little more rare in '93, that yeah. showed that he was gone before some of the stuff happened that they said he was a part of. But 
you know, a lot of people just believe that it was a way to basically take down this athlete, this, this, this person, like he was targeted, you know, there's a lot of people in that fight. And, um, so, uh, yeah, so you know, five months in prison. So then now, you know, and so I can touch on it from my viewpoint, you know, on a different part of the country, here's what we're told, man, this kid's a, this kid's a thug, this kid's a problem. He'll, you know, this is just another athlete wasted talent. Like that's, that's what, that's what that was shoved down our throat, you know, cause uh, you know, he's my age. I remember, you know, you kind of know that, you know, my basketball friends, like, you you know these guys like the Kobe's and the the LeBrons and these these high profile high school athletes and it was just like well what could have been what could have been and you know all this so he gets pardoned and uh, even then that that followed him around for the rest of his life like you know people a lot of people didn't want to investigate the situation or look further into it or or even forgive he was a rascal I don't, nobody will argue that I mean he wasn't. I'm not saying that he committed a ton of crimes, but he put himself in a lot of situations like this. You know what I mean? He just, he, he had his, he had his friends and, and they, uh, they like to, you know, venture out, you know, he, he, that's just the type of guy he was. And, uh, that stigma really followed him, you know? So he goes to Georgetown luckily. Now, do you know, was he always going to go to Georgetown? This part of the story, I really don't know. Um, for the most part, because I think, cause I remember, um, cause I, I would probably would go on the assumption that a lot of his opportunities dried up after that oh, situation. Yeah. yeah he's so, not going to a Duke or a character. He's not, I mean, he's just not, yeah, he's not, yeah, he's not going to go there. And, and it was even kind of a risky move by the late John Thompson, yep. um, to, to make that, to, um, to, you know, to actually recruit him. And then, so, yeah, I think that was one of probably one of the, I want to say, I know you probably had other options, but definitely at, for what it was at that time was perceived as almost like you're taking a, a huge risk, especially, you know, considering that, the fact what has happened. And at that time was, we didn't quote yeah. unquote know, you know, all the details that entailed exactly. that incident. Yeah. Exactly. That's a great point that, you know, people weren't, they were, here's what we knew or, you know, you know, fans or viewers or whatever knew like, um, okay, this guy went to jail. Now he's not in jail. All we know is like, I ah, went to jail, you know, that's it. He's a, he's a, he's a, whatever. And, um, you know, John Thompson, you know, for anybody, you know, I know Georgetown's a little different now. It was a big deal. They made the tournament. At this point, they're still Georgetown. Like, yeah. they're still Big East, a classic, you know, Big East. They're a powerhouse. Like, it, he wasn't – it wasn't like he taken a step back. I mean, this is a high-profile school with one of the most historic coaches in the history of college basketball. And, uh, and I, I'm always glad that Thompson is the one that took him in because I think Iverson – and it's funny. I listened to a lot of interviews doing this with Iverson. He didn't. He he always was very upfront about I didn't need a father figure. Like I had a dad. You know what I mean. Like my parents weren't together, but I had a dad. You know, it's always portrayed as like uh, another one of these players without a father. Like, yeah. but Thompson was a a mentor. You know, he was a guidance. He he was somebody that that did help him out. But uh, I would you know he was always quick to say that like he didn't need a you know, a pseudo dad or whatever. But um, so I was like, I'm going to give Ivers credit for that. Cause I don't want, I don't want him, uh, I don't want him hit me up. But, uh, <laughs> so he goes there and, you know, he plays for Thompson and uh, his, he had a pretty good career at Georgetown. Right. I think you remember, I think you remember some, uh, some of those times. Oh, yeah, the, the, oh, right? the, the, the low haircut AI with the Jordan oh, 11s. Oh yeah. Man. The Jordan 11s. Oh yes. Yeah. That, that, he was, he was a problem. Yeah, you know Oh, and them dumb battles with Ray Allen at UConn. Oh, those yeah, things. That's, man, you know, that's the most famous. Jerry Kittles and Villanova. Like, I mean, them they, they used to battle. And we talk about the Big East, even oh. though it ain't the 80s, 
but this this mid nineties Big East that we talk about was was still a great time. Syracuse always had a, a, a good squad. I mean, putting out, you know, you had the yeah. late 80s of Coleman. You had uh, Wallace well, come out of there Bolton. in the 90s. Yeah. Bolton was there when, yeah. Oh, and then, yeah. 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 Those, those were, I mean, those were great times. We could do a whole show on Big E basketball. We might do that sometime. Like, if, for people that don't remember, like, what it was, yeah. it's, it's a shame that it's gone. Yeah, I we're know, talking, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly, man. So, um, he, you know, he, he I think that his – he saw he played two years his sophomore year. I believe they might have went to the the great eight, maybe or the elite eight uh, in the tournament. I don't think they made the final four, but he was a heck of a college player, had a great college career, exciting, um, just just everything. There's always it always t- it always struck me about him is when he played, like he was so I don't know how to say it, he was kind of small. Like the 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 basketball always looked like he like it was three times the size of everybody else. It was just something unique about, you know, watching him play against these other towers in there, you know. We're talking Georgetown, you know, back in the day when I remember they had, you know, Dikembe and Morning on the same team, Patrick Ewing, and now Iverson's the best player on the floor and he's the he's the smallest player on the floor, man. Like it was crazy. So um Sorry, yeah, great college career. It, really, I don't believe he had any problems, right? I don't remember. No, I think he um, at Georgia. I think he was pretty much yeah, went pretty smooth. Staying I mean, involved and you know, yeah. and Thompson was a you know Thompson's a it was a, is a firm guy. Was a firm guy, R.I.P. But um, you know, and I think that helped. You know what I mean? I'm sure Iverson knew like where that line was and where not to cross. And and uh, so one story, you know, you hear it anytime. Anytime they talk about Iverson and Georgetown and Thompson, but there's a there's a really great story, and I think this was important to Iverson's like career and, and trust. You know what I mean? Because at this point, as a young man, he's got every reason not to trust anybody after what happened in Hampton and all that. But there's a story where I can't I don't remember the school or if they where they went. Anyway, they go to an away game, and you know, kids in the crowd they like to harass the other players. That's college basketball. I get it. But oh, this time they dressed up as inmates they wore the orange jumpsuits had handcuffs the whole thing dressed up as inmates and they had a sign that said iverson is the next mj and they crossed that out like a circle and a slash and then they wrote in oj and thompson went thompson went right to the officials and you know, of course iverson like he wasn't like that didn't bother him so to speak you know how he was like he wasn't going back down but thompson went right to the officials and was like they leave or we leave. That's it. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And they made those students, you know, change their clothes and get back. I always thought that was really important yeah. to Thompson, like at, at that point in time, because that was the fact that people would even think that that's acceptable to do is one thing. But the fact that he was like, he was willing to, you know, walk out of a game, you know, for a player, you know, I, I always think that's an important story, like just to yeah. how, how he interacted with, with Allen, man. But, uh, so, uh, and so in 1996, Allen Iverson goes first first pick in the uh, NBA draft. Now this is crazy. This is 96 draft, probably the second most important draft or, or best draft in history. Just there's just a few of the guys that went after Allen Iverson. Uh, a guy named Kobe Bryant, uh, a guy named Steve Nash, uh, a guy named Ray Allen. <laughs> uh, I believe Marcus Camby was second in that draft. I mean, just tr- truly one of the greatest. NBA drafts in history, but Iverson goes number one to Philadelphia 76ers, um, which is crazy, man. Uh, th- that's wild that that much talent came out of one draft, right? Yeah. Like, it's just amazing. So, so one of my first questions I had for you, so he gets drafted by Philly first pick. We just talked about that. Um, what if, if he doesn't go to Philly, 
Like I think I, to me, Iverson's a guy that needed to go to a certain place. But if he doesn't go to Philly, where 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 does where do you think he winds up in that draft? And you know what's so funny? Like when we you know when we talked about it, and I just thought about so many different type of possibilities, and okay. I'm almost kind of thought about it more so in a modern NBA type of format. Like, just imagine if you would have went to Toronto and had Damon Stoudemire and Al Navison. I thought about that, and that, that was the first thing that it triggered in my mind. Like, because you, 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 and another thing to think about at, at that time, he was the first guard to be selected first overall since 1979 since Magic Johnson. Oh, wow. And to your, wow. And to your point, where the, you know, you look at Georgetown, the hierarchy, it, everything, it, it was, it was big men. Yeah. And now a six foot, generous six foot, <laughs> 165 pound player is the best player on their team, which never happens in in general in, in that modern day era. Yeah, but I thought about that. I thought about what if you know in this modern age because you know now you can play two small guards like that now. Oh yeah, and then you think about what if you know Vancouver if you know instead of getting <laughs> Sharif Abdul Rahim, him and having a maybe a guy like a, a big country Reeves kind of the supplement with that and then also kind of piggyback to the Toronto angle because remember Isaiah Thomas was running the show in Toronto at that time so oh, wow, wow. I wonder how that how that relationship could have been like as far as how he would have been taking them mm. under a wing so Ooh, let's talk about that because I like yeah. it, <laughs> I want to think about that I knew this 96 draft would get aside so here's how it went uh one Philly Iverson two Toronto now this must have been Toronto and Vancouver was this their expansion year or maybe the the second this a second year because okay. I think Damon Stoudemire was their first That's ever right. pick. And then Big Country yeah. was theirs in ninety five. So, yeah, yeah, Mighty Mouse, one of my favorite players ever. Love that guy. Uh I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah. And he, you know what? He probably paved the way for Iverson to get that shot that you're talking about. Cause they're like, man, look what happened with Stoudemire. Cause like if yeah. you don't know, go back and Stoudemire was uh, was ferocious. We're really, really good player. Uh Two was Toronto. Marcus Camby. Marcus Camby he had an all right career. Like he, yeah, yeah he was a guy, he's another guy that probably would be better to be drafted now. You know, a smaller, yeah, more yeah. active uh, forward. Uh, Shreef Abdul Rahim, really good player um, for Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So here's an interesting one. This this is a little interesting. This draft number four, Stephen Marbury. So I would I would say that Marbury and Iverson were linked pretty tight. Their really their whole like probably growing up. They're, you know, and all that stuff because they were similar type of players as far as perception. Marbury goes forward to Milwaukee. And uh, I remember Marbury coming out of Georgia Tech. Like it, he was, he was, I can't miss also. Um, that's an interesting one there, too. And you know what's so funny, Jeff? And that's another one. If you would have went to Milwaukee, because you think about it, they had Glenn Robinson, yep. Ben Baker. Like, and, you know, and you think about it because Alan, because you think about it, I wonder if he would have been. Because he would, it's almost like he could have been almost like what Ray Allen was. Because, but it, but in a smaller frame. Yeah. When you look at it, because we used to, we thought that was really dynamic even at the time to have like Ray Allen oh, was a um, as, your, as your two, and then because I think they had, I think Sherman Douglas was their point guard. I think if my memory serves correct. Oh, probably, probably I, still. Yeah. And I think at that, and then you look at when you have, yeah, because you, you had Glenn, uh, well. Uh, big dog, yeah, and then you had Ben Baker, and those two guys were well, Ben Baker ended up becoming an all star. Ben Baker was an all star, yeah. So, and this is a match you would have had, get like a you know, he would have had like kind of finishers, yes, that exactly. definitely would have definitely would have helped his career. And I think at that time, who 
because I, I don't even remember who their coach was, but <clears throat> oh, Sam Cassell, yeah, yeah, well, Sam yeah. Cassell. But that's what I'm Bailey. saying. So crazy, like Milwaukee. Now, I think out of all of them would be intriguing. I think Milwaukee would have probably would have been the best place for him to go, or if they would have kind of did the trade and him go to Minnesota with KG. Oh man! If they would have did that, and you know he goes to Minnesota, which my goodness, you that changed the fortunes for him I and Kevin Garnett. Changes NBA history. So, yeah. so I'll you know so and then so I'll read a few more off here the '96 draft just so people can go research it because this is amazing. <laughs> nice. So five Minnesota takes Ray Allen. They trade for Stephen Marbury. So Marbury winds up in Minnesota. Ray Allen goes to Milwaukee. Really like an underrated career in Milwaukee. Ray Allen was good. Yeah, um, he just he you didn't Milwaukee's like it's all even now with Giannis you just don't it's they're just not poster you know poster board material especially in a time of we're still talking about they're playing in a time of Jordan it, it that's that's the what's looming in the room here and you know what Ray Allen used to be almost like a slasher type he was almost he, kind was. Of, he, was, like, he was like a poor man's Dwayne Wade people fail to realize that because remember because he was like in the slam dunk contest yep. his um his rookie year like. Ray Ray had ups. Like people yeah. think about that shot in 2013. You think it's oh. a prolific three point shooter, but in the beginning, like Ray Allen was a dog. Like he he would like dunk on you like disrespectfully. Yes, yes. I think Wade's a great. No, it'd be like, and he and he made that choice to you know a lot of people. He, yeah, he wasn't just a three point shooter, but he was so yeah. good at it that he. I think he saw the writing he on the wall. He, he saw the writing on the wall and was like, yeah. I can make one more point from back here. And play for 30 years, right? Yeah, um, Ray, uh, Antoine Walker goes to Boston. Ooh. Lorenzo Wright, Kerry Kittles, another fun player out of Villanova. I liked him better yeah. in in college, but he's still he was a good good NBA player. Uh, Smoky Walker, uh, he's uh, not too far from here. Uh, and let's see here. Then you got uh, number 13. <laughs> the Hornets, the Hornets take Kobe Bryant and trade him to LA. Like you want to talk about a what could have been it that would change the. The complete landscape of the NBA as we know it. If you start at that point when and, and Kobe stays in Charlotte, nothing that we know in the NBA is happening right now. It is completely different league. Shaq probably goes ring chasing. Um, you know, and then Charlotte probably gets a ring. Um, then you got Kobe versus Michael, maybe at some point, you know, if it goes right, like we anything could have happened. It, 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 yeah, here are two scenarios. We we probably wouldn't have had the Pelicans. Nope. Because if you'd have had a guy like him, Jordan wouldn't have been the owner of, of, of this new Hornets team. Nope, none <laughs> oh, of that. I'm telling you, there wouldn't be a new Hornets team. They're right. Be, still they be would the still Charlotte. be in Charlotte. Yeah, it, Jordan, it's crazy. Right. <laughs> Steve Nash goes. Steve Nash goes fifteenth uh, to Phoenix. Boy, that was a great. That was a great get there. So, it, just a great draft. You know, I, I recommend anybody go look at it. So here's a few another. Here's a few other what ifs. Um, if if Philadelphia could do it over again, do you think they still take Iverson or would they, obviously they take Kobe? Everybody take Kobe. We know that. Um, with, which how they didn't, <laughs> you know, yeah. him growing up in it like that's that's what happened. <laughs> like, because it wasn't like he didn't show the talent. Uh, maybe if he has a year of college, without a doubt, he goes. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, so what do you think? Of, let's talk about Iverson and Steve Nash. Um, Steve Nash became like one of the best all around point guards in the history that we've ever seen uh and iverson never iverson really he wasn't a point guard i mean we know that like it iverson do, do you think iverson could have learned to play a different type of game or do you think that it was like what he was going to do was be the one man you know wrecking crew that he was no matter what 
Which is funny. I think he could have. I think he just had finishers. He didn't have finishers. Yeah. Which, another thing I thought about too when we, you know, when we would um talk, you know, planning this, like what if they would have kept Jared Stackhouse and he would have evolved? That would have been nice. That would have been something that, you know, and I think they kind of pulled the trigger on him a little bit prematurely, I think, in my in my personal opinion. Yeah. And I think they could have been a nice duo as a backcourt. And I think time. if yeah, I think if Iverson would have had somebody like you know, at first, when I first started doing this, I'm like, no, Iverson, this is what Iverson was going to do because that's how he is. He's like, I, I trust myself. I can do this. And it, it did fail him to certain ways. Like his teammates, I mean, if you watch those, I remember you watch those old you know, 76ers games, then his teammates basically stood around and then they were asked to bust their ass on the other end of the court. And then when they, it, they basically got to play half a game, you know, and if they did get a great – Iverson was a great passer of the ball. Like, he really was. But you didn't know when or where it was going to happen. You know what I mean? It wasn't consistent. You know, the, his guys didn't know if he was going to make that same pass every time. And so there was never that trust there. They never built – they never built the uh, the actual offense, you know, that would have that would have took him to the moon. Because I think if, if in a different world, you know, different timeline, he – he somehow becomes a Steve Nash type, like in, in a system like that. I think then he's he's probably the best we've ever seen because his the way he could penetrate, uh, how quick he was on his you know with these passes, how accurate his passes were. You know, if he chose to go that route, obviously his points go down. But I still think he's one of I still think he's maybe the best you know one of the top point guards that we've we've ever seen. If if that's how it works out, like you say, if he has those guys, if he goes to Milwaukee, if he. Who knows about a different coach? Larry Brown, like he, we don't know how good a coach Larry Brown is. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, we really don't. Like he's he had a lot of faults until he finally, you know, broke through. Um, was he the best coach for Iverson? I don't think so. Um, you know, but th- it is what it is. But uh, I think there's a world to where Iverson is the best passer in the NBA. Averages twelve assists. You know, twelve assists, twenty five points a game for five years. <laughs> I, I really think that that could have been. Yeah. And just imagine if you would have had like now, you know, in this present day where you got like guys on the oh. wing that can shoot and that hey, hey, how he's able to kind of can penetrate through and kind of go through passing lanes and dish it out, dish it out there. I mean, it, it was it's, unstoppable. It's, 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 yeah, it that's be, he'd be he it'd be yeah. he'd be unstoppable. Oh, yeah. He could he could draw defenders in and, and, oh. and have guys open. Yeah, and he would have, he would be a better shooter. Like oh, we talk about this with every guy. If they played in this era, like they all would have been better shooters because they would have shot. They would have just done it more. Um, mm-hmm. No, he would. He could still play now. Like you say, it would be better with the space they have now, less mm-hmm. contact they have now. You don't just you don't just have guys shoving him down. You know, into the <laughs> into the hoop and yeah. you know, things like that. And then if you put some uh, you know spot up shooters in the way, you know, in the corners, mm-hmm. like. He's he's going to get it to him every time. Well, I mean, like I said, it's just, it'd be what we saw with kind of the Steve Nash sons. If, if, yeah. what, if I, what if Iverson goes to a D'Antonio offense? Okay. Uh, it, it might be it might be the greatest still to this day the greatest thing we've ever seen. Um, it, yeah, because he yeah, yeah he's a better player than Steve Nash. Steve Nash just played a different system and and yeah, kind of because even Steve Nash would admit he should have shot it more in that system. He, he admits it to this day. Like, like looking back, he sees what these guys are doing now, and he's like, "I should have just shot it more." He'd be Steph Curry, maybe, or, or you know, yeah. <laughs> and Iverson went the other way. Iverson just played it. He played like the three point line wasn't there. He wasn't a great three point shooter. Didn't really care because um, <laughs> he was just such a dynamic scorer. It was amazing. So he comes in in '96. Now, really, the most important thing is when Iverson comes into the league. It is 
it's a new age. Uh, we, I was okay. So I was watching his highlights the other day. He was one of the only guys on the court. Now this is amazing in the NBA. He was one of the only guys on the court with visible tattoos. And I remember that was such a big deal. He, he was so polarizing. I mean, it felt more than half the country wanted this, wanted this kid to fall flat on his face. Um, you know, then he then he still had the you know the short area wasn't quite in the cornrows or yet you know, but then when that started happening, oh my gosh! Like I remember just like like we always say, everybody clutching their pearls, like oh this is it, this is the end of the NBA. You know, all all I heard for the early like late nineties, early two thousands was you know ah, a bunch of thugs and this and that and that. and they weren't doing anything. None of these guys were actually like going to jail or anything. It was like they specifically saw. You know the tattoos, the the you know whatever jewelry, wh- whatever, and that was it. That's that's what they judged him on. And if you know Iverson famously wore you know the oversized you know flat built hats, pulled he do an interview, pulled they pull it down to his nose, man. But he knew what he was doing. He knew he was what he was selling because let me tell you what I raised a kid in that generation, and when my son was probably five years old, his favorite player in the world was Allen Iverson. And he would wear, uh, he would pack uh, his armbands like all the way down his arm to to get the sleeve. All the kids wanted the the Iverson sleeve. And then he would, when his hair, when he was in the shower and his hair got wet, he would make, he would try to make cornrows in his hair when his hair was wet in the showers. We're talking a five year old white boy in Ohio, and, and he wanted nothing more in this world to grow up and look exactly like Allen Iverson, like that. And that, and that was not, that's not you know unusual that was everybody across the country young people loved him man right yes how did you feel about him like at this time you're you know you're a you're a young man at this time you're a basketball fan yeah it was it it is funny it was it was different i mean when you think about it when we look at guys at that time clean cut uh, what we call had the madison avenue appeal you look at jordan with the ball head most of the guys that was in league were like you know just I put it this way, it just I mean, like I said, no visible tattoos, especially. And I'm glad you brought up that point about the um, the armband because that was a first. Oh, yeah, the sleeve. I mean, the sleeve, the sleeve, that's, and that's iconic because he's the first one that did that. And it was, so, it was and it was, perfect. and it was genius. And even the people use it now, present day. So that's the kind of thing that sticks out. But yeah, he was. But like you said, it's funny, Jeff, how the media portrayed that, though. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they made it as such a negative thing where oh. a guy had to. Because remember, I don't know if you remember one. Of the, I think I, I want a web magazine because I don't want to, you know, do that. But I forgot which magazine it was. But remember, they airbrushed his tattoos. Yes. I don't know if you remember that one of the one of those one of the publications at publications yeah. <laughs> at the time. I, th- I, don't think, age, I don't even but. think it was a sports one. I think it was some sort of like like a like an entertainment type of magazine. But they, yeah, they did. Yeah. They thought it was too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, because I asked this question uh, to you and the sheet, and basically, like all I remember is like, was you know, it, quote unquote, like was he too black for America at that point? Like because we all know that there's a racial overtone to this. When they say when they say I re- I mean I. Yeah, this is how it was fed to us back here in you know middle Ohio. When they say he's a thug, we know exactly what they were getting at. Yeah, right? and 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 it's it's another and this is a perfect example of him being an icon because like you like I was mentioned earlier, there was a certain image at that time of NBA players who you looked at. We talked about Michael Jordan, very well groomed, bald head, always came in with, with a suit, just looked you know like a very you know debonair human being. Yeah. 
but you got a guy who's inverse. It's almost like how, right, you're right when it said at that time it was deemed he was too black because he yeah. was like the rebellious ones. He's the one that comes in with the tattoos. At that time, we everybody we loved tall tees. Even as you know, even as a, a teenager at that time, we wore tall tees. I had cornrows. I think in 2000, yeah, 2000, I think in 2001, I had cornrows back then. Yeah. All that, and you know, he wore the throwback jerseys, the baggy jeans, the chains. I didn't have a chain, but <laughs> everybody wore chains. Yeah. So, and then what ended up happening was, that's when, when we, people, and people say that, they say it conveniently, well, it's, the you know, the wardrobe change. Not to say, course, like he was the reason why, but oh, yeah. they say a lot of guys like they they attribute to it like Tim Duncan and other guys who was the main culprit. Yeah. But we all know at the end of the day, he planted that seed. And Absolutely. when you think about it, where now you look at the modern day, where they they didn't accept that, you know, when you know when a cat come in, you know he's he ain't playing. He wearing a, a tall a four X t shirt. He one hundred six yeah. pounds. <laughs> and, and he did this going to he did this going to press conferences. He did this doing interviews. Yep. Totally like the 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 one thing that stands out about Iverson. Totally unapologetic. So. What was crazy at this time is he comes in, he's playing a brand of basketball that really, I mean, it does work, but it really doesn't work. It really still doesn't. Hero ball still isn't great. But like as as the as the old, you know, sports reporters and stuff are killing him for everything that we just talked about and his basketball style. And they, you know, he's a bad teammate and and fights with the coach and doesn't work out enough and all this. At the same time, young America was eating it up like that is exactly what we needed like no this is the guy that looks like me this is the guy that i want to watch play like i don't care about you know the legacy of of this and uh, you know coming off the jordan years to where everything was like team and put a team together and win and it was all about dynasties and all that you know and then iverson comes in and it's just like each game is is a show uh it's an entertainment um and and he came to do that and the the bigger picture might have got lost in it like young people, especially kids, man. Like I remember when my nephews and son, uh, they play like Gus Macker tournaments, which is like an outdoor three on three tournament, you know, that went around for a while. Half the kids, everybody wanted to wear number three. Everybody <laughs> wanted to wear the sleeve. And they fought over num- the number three. They fought <laughs> over the sleeve. Like every little guy, like my son was, he's a, you know, he's a small kid. So Iverson was an icon to him. Like it, it, it still, he still is like very, very important to, you can identify. I mean, I'm the same size as Iverson, so I right. can't fathom a tip back dunk or an alley oop dunk or doing the things that he did. Like, it, as at the same time as you know, this older generation of reporters and stuff were 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 pushing back on him so hard. Underneath all that, he was he was taking the world by storm. They think that it in the early 2000s, they consider him he might have been the most famous athlete in the world um, across across the globe. At the same time, to where the reporters in his own sport are doing nothing but like killing him for it. Uh, it was really amazing time. Really amazing time. Um, I always said like watching him play basketball was like, like watching hip hop like that. It just, you can, you can hear, you can hear like the soundtrack when you're watching this man play. Uh, it's just, just really fascinating, really fascinating stuff. I mean, one of a kind, yeah. one of a kind. And it was just different. It was just a different style because I mean, when you think about at that time, the conventional point guards, for the most part, were kind of boring. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, not to say that, but, you know, you look at like the John Stocktons and all of them. Yep. 
they were, you know, they weren't kind of like this, you know, headline drawing type of, you know, guys at that time. And Alan Iverson, he just fit the bill. Yeah. 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 It's just really, like you said, it's, uh, and, and that's why sometimes I think that he gets, you know, we, I think people automatically think, well, he'd be better playing now, like we talked about. But I think it was so important that he played in because somebody, we were in what I call the Jordan hangover. And I, you know, you're, Bulls fan. I'm a Bulls fan. Like, I remember that. I remember like the 99 seasons, one of the worst seasons. Like, one of the just, <laughs> I, I just can't. It was just terrible. What a letdown after the 98, you know, Bulls yeah. run. And then 99, the stars were weird. The drafts were confusing. The players weren't getting in the right spot. So we had athletic players, but it wasn't a game that supported them then. Uh, it was just a weird time. It wasn't, it wasn't great. Early 2000s NBA wasn't great. And then at the same time, Iverson. And, you know, and Kobe's coming up through this. And it's kind of weird how Kobe was sneaky becoming one of the greatest players of all time at the same time. But he didn't care about any of this stuff. Like, he was not like, you know, yeah, he he sold shoes or whatever. But, like, he wasn't on every poster. He wasn't on every commercial. Like, he, he, was, he was becoming the legend that he became. And as to where Iverson was, like, playing in the now. Like, I don't care about – he played every game like he didn't care about you know, the next game or know if he was going to play the next game as to where Kobe at this exact same time is crafting his game and, and, and setting himself up for that, that three peat, you know, in LA. And yet Iverson is widely the most fascinating player in the NBA at the same time. It was a, it was a wild time. Um, I think people forget that those two, you know, came up through the, through the years together because they, there's no, there was never a connection, really. Um, you know what I mean? It's it's just odd. It's just it wasn't Magic and Bird. That's what I mean. It yeah. was like two separate paths, two separate NBAs they, that they played in, and that's how it wound up. I mean, Kobe wound up with five, and Iverson wound up with no championships. Um, you know for sure. So I think I think the most uh, you know you know the most important season he had was obviously, or the, I'll say the best season was uh, the two thousand two thousand one season. Um, you know, he he runs through the league. He takes this Philadelphia team that it's hard not to crack on him because you don't know how maybe these players were better than we think with if a, if Iverson's John Stockton. We don't really know. Not a great supporting cast. Um, carries them all the way to the NBA finals against what is considered one of, I mean, really one of the better teams in the last 30, 40 years against the, yeah. the Kobe and Shaq. This is the Kobe and Shaq uh, Lakers dynasty that we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So um, do you remember like what you thought about that finals matchup? Like, you know, were you I rem I mean, I was obviously like, well, this is going to be well, the Lakers hadn't lost. Right. Weren't they undefeated? Yeah, they were undefeated. Yeah. I think. Well, yeah, cause I think they had three. <laughs> which is weird. <laughs> three game. First yeah, round that was, you know why they got, rid of, they got rid of that? They got rid of that because of the uh, Seattle Sonics getting upset by Denver that year. They're like, oh no, we're not doing. We're not right. doing best <laughs> five anymore. That's exactly <laughs> when it's up. It was a really good Seattle team that got upset by Dikembe and the the Denver. Yeah. They, yeah. They, there's no more. There's no more three out of five after that. But um, so they, so here we go. This is the 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 biggest game in Iverson's career to this day, which is kind of sad that, you know, four years in four or five years into his career, the, the biggest game of his life would be game one of the, of the Oh one finals. Uh, he beats the Lakers. I'll say he beats the Lakers. Um, yeah. you know, <laughs> this is a great Lakers team, well-rounded Lakers team. You know, you got Shaq at this is Shaq at his height of his powers. And then you got the, you got 
literally the the opposite of him, you know, takes it to him in game one. You got Kobe standing there, the guy that got drafted the same year that has to watch this. You you know what I mean? Like he's just really the pinnacle game of like says everything about Iverson. He guts his team to a win, steps over (laughs) the step over, steps over Ty Lue. It's just an absolute iconic moment in NBA history. And full disclosure, Allen felt bad about that. And he's apologized, and him and uh, him and Ty Lue are good friends. Yeah, actually, yeah. he regrets <laughs> doing that. He said it just happened. Uh, you know, in his interviews, he's like, "It just happened. I probably shouldn't have done that." Which, which I always like about Iverson. Like he doesn't, you know, he doesn't. He he's willing to admit faults and flaws and things he did wrong and could have done better. He's a real open book, um, and that's why current NBA players just love him. But uh, yeah. that finals game, and he takes game one. That's it. Lakers going. They. Blow them out of the water next few games, but you can never take that game away from Allen Iverson, right? Yep. Like it, he goes into the locker room and says, "Put the brooms away, put the brooms away." I, it's one of my favorite. <laughs> um, you know, he's a he's a quote machine, but that was that was a great yeah, that was a, that was a great time. But would you have thought then that that was it? That would that that was basically the end of Allen Iverson's. I mean, honestly, his success in the playoffs that was it, man. Um, Not at all, because when you, like you think about it he would have thought more was to come because at least they would have built off of at least, you know, the whole Dikembe Mutombo coming in and yeah. you figured they were going to kind of make some moves to kind of help him. And you figured the sky's the limit because you think about it, at this time, Alan Averson is what, like maybe 25, 26 years old. So you yeah. got to think to yourself, like, he's not even entering his prime and, you know, <laughs> to a point where there's got to be more. So who do you – I've thought about this a lot, and I don't know if it's just a different NBA or what. But who would? What do you think went wrong there? What? What do you? Why do you think? Do you think it was Iverson that they couldn't bring in guys that would work with him that fit? They just couldn't find a guy that fit, or do you think it was just they didn't do it? Like we'll just, we'll take what he gives us in the regular season. We're not really because why weren't there more moves made when you got a guy like him a a known entity like you know yeah. you know that what he he gives you. Um, why, why could they, why did they never bring in an, another complimentary player like that? Um, I, it was a little different than you. There wasn't quite as much move in the NBA, but yeah. I know Dikembe, like, they're like, okay, we'll bring in a rim protector, but, but Dikembe is not an offensive guy. And Allen needed, you've said it a few times. He needed a, uh, an offensive guy. He needed mm-hmm. someone to finish. So he needed a wing in your, just your theory. What, what, what broke down there? I, and, and that's weird because like, even, cause even in that trade, they got rid of Theo Ratliff, who was literally the same thing as the Kimmy Matumbo. Yeah. And, and it's almost, and I, I don't know. And you guys sit down and you think about it. Like, it's got to be, and I mean, really more, I think it's got to be, you really got to attribute to the management and then just the whole thing of them of um, Larry Brown leaving as well. And then just, then, all the other series of events as far as the multiple change um coaching changes yeah. you know going forward it's just and then they just didn't have the continuity i mean when you you know and almost like it, it felt like they rested on their 2001 laurels and they just like yeah. well we got allen we good <laughs> but yeah, we're that, not, you know yeah it's it always amazed me because and then I'm, I'm like well you know i don't know what goes on behind the scenes maybe you know, then Allen's reputation wasn't as good as it is now. Like, mm-hmm. like as he as he's aged, he's aged really well. Uh, NBA players love him. They're, he's one of the most respected, you know, revered players in the NBA. Um, and he doesn't. He's one of the few guys now. He's you know he's not a get off my lawn guy. He really supports these young guys and encourages them, and and 
in promotes this today's game but then it wasn't quite the same i'm i mean i'm sure then i remember like no this guy's i mean it was just like he's a ball hog can't play with anybody but then now looking back like i don't know if that was true i don't know if that was true at all because later in his career he was he was a a better teammate Uh, he wasn't the player because you just can't play like he did for 20 years but when when he gets into like denver um you know even a little time in detroit he was a good teammate um and and we don't know that he couldn't have been one in philly i still I still quite I, I would like to go back and like know what the breakdown was there of like why they didn't build a team around him like like you would now. Um yeah. or maybe it was simply like they saw the writing on the walls and they're like, Well, there's no reason to fight this Lakers team. Why spend money to they, nobody was beating that Lakers team? And if they don't break up, they might win seven in a row. We don't know. Like that team was right. yeah, that, that, well, I guess they did lose in you know to the Pistons, but so I don't know. It's just always weird. It's always a, kind of a what if, like what broke down. And I know I, I, Iverson takes the blame for it. And it is true. Like he didn't have great practice habits. He stayed out late. He ran, you know, he ran with his crew um, all the time. You know, he didn't, he didn't work out. It's one of the greatest quotes when, um, so, well, well, you know what, let's talk about it. So not too long after this, we have the, we have the news conference. Um, so basically what it was, Iverson, the Sixers get knocked out of the, uh, I believe it was the, I got the date right here, May 7th, 02. So they had just, they just got knocked out of the playoffs. Um, the Celtics beat them out, the Sixers out of the playoffs. So it's, it's Iverson's press conference. And this is the famous, everybody knows that you heard at the beginning of the show. This is the, we talk about practice press conference. <laughs> and, and something that's kind of lost in history. This, obviously, this one was important press conferences. It's just fascinating stuff if you haven't seen it. So all we got from Matt was like two minutes of we talking about practice and the awkward laughs. But man, if you listen to the whole half hour, like he gets deep and he gets serious and like he really like opens up and he takes on he's taking on you know reporters. He's challenging them. You know he's calling them out. He's a little rude sometimes, but he sat there and they're probably guaranteed about fifteen minutes then. And Iverson's there 15 minutes. You can hear his press, you know, uh, secretary say, "Okay, we're we're done now." And Iverson's like, "Nah, let him talk," and just shut her down, which it was kind of rude. Once again, he's apologized. He was caught in the moment. And then you get 15 more minutes of Iverson just basically saying, like, you know, what more do you want from me, and and all this. Now, everything he said now wasn't true, but still one of the most fascinating 30 minutes of in sports history. Like, I, I recommend anybody go to YouTube, <laughs> watch. Mm-hmm. The rest yep. of the <laughs> this is what this man has to say because. He, he really he touched on some really important things, you know, like as far as like um, the overall topics and underlying topics and stuff. So so that happens. And then now. So anything after that, Iverson's career is just a little different because that happened. You know, essentially what it was, he wasn't didn't go to all the practices. And Larry Brown just said, we'd like to see him at practice more. And when the reporter pushed him on it, it was over, yep. man. Do you remember the? I mean, do you remember <laughs> like that, like that oh, sound yeah. like from that night? Yeah. yeah, it was interesting because, and that's another thing where, because we got to think about it, during that time, we think in twenty, you know, two thousand and two, where mm-hmm. it's not like it is now, where we were able to kind of access the whole thirty minutes. Thank so you. in that sound bite, it 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 was perceived as almost like he didn't care. And yep. that's the thing that that's the beauty of, of of now where, you know, when these things happen, you have a voice and you can, you know, you can say what you, you can say. But at that time, they made it made it seem like essentially, hey, he does he don't want to work. 
Yep. He not not even saying that he's lazy, but that's that's how it was perceived at that time. It's that's just like he don't care. It's almost like he come in here with a almost of a laissez faire type of mentality, and that's how it was perceived back then. And that's the that's what's so great about this day and age. And and a lot of people, you know, we always say this too. He's very misunderstood, oh. and that's and that's due to. You know the media at that particular time because you know we at that time how we got our information was very vague. You know when we think about you know we what we see on the TV, what we read the next day in the paper. We didn't have we had the internet, but not like how it is now, no, where it's kind of you know where you know you have the social media aspect or even a a first person encounter. You know of that way, he could have been able to kind of have those type of clips or whatever to his own social media where he's able to you know follow that. So yeah, I mean at that time it you know it was definitely like a you know it was major because a lot of people yeah. pin him as this you know just don't care. It's like why is you know you know some and then and what's funny about it all is. The, this clip that really got me was remember what they were saying about you know, you need to come to practice because it makes your teammates better. Yeah. And it's like, how the hell me coming to practice, making my teammates better. Yeah. Which, you know, and at that time, you got to think about it in 2002, that was like, like jaw dropping. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like at that time, it was like, what, what the hell are you doing at that time? But, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, I, but, I, yeah. <laughs> I always, <clears throat> sorry about that. Yeah. I always, uh, I always thought it's a. You touched on most of it, but I agree. It's like it's kind of a, a travesty that he wasn't given the platform, like he would be given now, like a LeBron James or somebody now to say because he, he could have really up, and he still did it. He still did it. like he, he did cause a stir in sports, and he did get some of these like, you know, the the perceptions, like especially like the. Uh, you know, the racial perceptions and stuff like he did bring it to the surface. It, it, they tried to squash that. Like you said, the media that what the, what they fed us was not what was really happening. But um, he did it enough to where people started like, man, there's something there's something more here. Let's dig into this. And and he did he did bring a lot of that to the surface. And I believe that has helped because you couldn't you couldn't hide the real people anymore. This was a time in sports to where it was it was it was the most shut up and dribble time that we've ever had because they had a voice and they still didn't want to hear it. I mean, it was very like that. And Iverson wasn't having it. And, you know, he, his famous um, Stephen A. Smith interview a few years later, uh, right after uh, they, he asked him about advice for LeBron and Carmelo and these guys that had just come out in the draft. And he actually went just the opposite. He said, be fake, be fake. Don't, don't, you know, just, <laughs> just play the game. Uh, it's, it's like basically like it's, it's too hard to try and be yourself. They'll, they'll try to, they'll come after you. They'll try to knock you off your pedestal. And he was not wrong. Uh, that is exactly, they tried to do that. Even LeBron, even right now, LeBron, to day. <laughs> I hear it, man, I hear it every day. Um, a guy, you know, a guy, here's, here's a, you know, a story that connects that a guy tells me the other day, I asked him, I know his kid's a huge sports fan, huge sports fan. Uh, we talk about it all the time. And so I hadn't seen him in a while. I asked him, I said, man, uh, I said, right now, like, I always like trying to touch base, you know, with our fan, you know, with the fans and see what they're thinking. And I'm like, who's your, uh, I was like, hey, who's your son's favorite player right now? Like, what's, what's his thing, you know? And he's like, ah, because uh, I was asking about the NBA. Um, and uh, he's like, ah, kind of trying to steer him away from the NBA. 
man, are you kidding me? And, you know, and, and, and for the reasons that you think, yeah. and he wasn't rude about it or anything, but I thought, man, how could you take a, a, a this is the, one of the best times we've ever seen in NBA history. And how could you censor that from, from somebody and, and keep that from them? You know what I mean? I really, and this is the time that Iverson played in that it, he really took a lot of heat for this kind of stuff in the press conference. And, um, like I say, I remember vividly. I mean, I know how people like, let's say if you were a, a huge Larry Bird fan, you probably didn't like Allen Iverson very much. And yet, but, but Larry Bird played a wide open freestyle game and it was cool. You know what I mean? Like that was fine. Mm-hmm. You know, when Larry Bird's doing it and all that. So I, uh, Iverson's a, but he's still like, there's still, a, there's a part of the country that latched onto him in that he was a hero for. They weren't worried about how many rings he won. They wasn't worried about right. MVPs. Like that was their guy, you know, that was going to, that was going to pull him through this. And I, and I think, you know, it's, which is crazy because they're from the same area, but Michael Vick was going to be like that also. Yep. Obviously he derailed himself, um, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. and, you know, guys like that, like young youth, the youth latch onto it. And it's not even a black and white thing. Just like I say, my son as a small player that loves basketball attached himself to Allen Iverson. Like this is the guy that says we can do it. Um, And I think we missed an opportunity to, to promote that. Like we do with Steph now, you know what I mean? Like Steph, is like this is a new way. And I, and we can talk about that. I think, I think, I don't think there is a Steph Curry without an Iverson first. Uh, You know what I mean? I think he, I think Steph Curry is the evolution of what Iverson started uh, back then. And we and now Steph is rewarded for like he found a new way to play at a different body type and a different size and a different skill set. And it's worked. Now he's gonna go, you know, he's gonna be he's a legend of the game. And he but he was in he was encouraged to do it because he came along 20 years later, man. Yeah. So it just uh just just real, real oh man, just a real great stuff. So so yeah, so nothing was really the same after that. Um so I'll just, I'll just I'll just ask this. I had this written down. Was he a good or a bad teammate? What do you think? Um, I think for what you hear from other people, they love him. It seems like it. The, the perception from other, you know, from teammates <laughs> that you know that that are willing to speak on Al Navison, they yeah. love him. And yeah. I think you know when you look at it, um, because everybody's not going to be the perfect teammate, but I think he's going to be from what is you know perceived and what I've read about him and whatever that he's going to ride for you and i think that's all you really want he's you know he's not going to be the you know he's not going to be the ultimate nice guy that's gonna you know that's gonna always you know do this and third and kind of you know somebody that you're gonna like 100 percent of the time but at the end of the day it's just like everything it's like a it's like a brother relationship it's almost like you you know you're gonna have good times and bad times it's gonna be evan flows it's never always gonna be you know hunky dory every day but they i think they I think they understood that what he what he stood for, and they knew that hey, if he gonna ride, we gotta ride. It's almost like there's a there's an expectation, and exactly. you know even to the press conference, you know he said you know a game that he uh you know he would die for, and this and third, and yeah. you know all this type, but you know that, and you you you'd hope that you know most people you know perceive that and kind of was like well you know I need to be going hard just like this, and you know so yeah I mean I. From what I've been, from what I perceived, he may not have always been the best teammate, but I think he's the right teammate for, um, for Pete, for anybody. I mean, he, I definitely think he, he would be a type that at least is, would be, I would call a leader. 
at this yeah, point. He, you know, he you have a chance. He gives you a chance to win every game. That's what I say yeah. about a great player. Mm-hmm. Every every game. He's more. I think he's more like a lead by Well, more like lead by play, more so than than more. I don't think he's more of a like a vocal leader per se. Yeah. But I think he's probably more of a leader of actions. Like I see him doing this. I need to up my game. I need to do this and third. So uh, yeah, that's one of those things. Like, and he's one of those guys too. Like, we don't know what happens if he uh, if he gets like like Kobe. You know, Kobe gets drafted. What do we say, fourteenth or fifteenth or whatever? And obviously, Kobe wore that the rest of his career. Like another mm-hmm. motivation. Uh, you know, who knows if Iverson gets drafted thirtieth. And so, you know, your contracts are less. Of course, back then, rookie contracts were huge. So it might not have been so bad. But does that make him – is that turn him into a different player? Um, so many little things could have happened. Because I just I just think that he was – I think he could have been a lot of different players. I don't think – I think if he plays his career 20 times, I think you might get 20 different versions okay. of Allen Iverson just because yep. his skill set. Um, if he goes to a different city, it's going to be different. Because 76ers, like – they loved him, but Philadelphia is a hard town too. Like a lot of them were really hard on him, really hated him. Kind of, I won't say it hurt his feel. He was a he's an emotional guy, right? Yeah. And so he let that get to him a little bit. Like he couldn't understand why what he, his perception of what he's doing is laying it all on the line for the Philadelphia, and he couldn't understand why the fans the backlash. But you can't understand how you could watch his like if if you're a fan of that team. Like if Jordan would have done this, we wouldn't have been like, oh, this is cool. As long as he's winning scoring titles, we would have been like, no, like looking back, that's not that's not the version that we wanted. So <laughs> right. I I kind of give Philly fans a break because they're like, no, no, we understand what we're seeing in you, and we know that it can be better. And, and it never, it just never, it never reached that. It never hit that next level. And it's 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 a, it's a I, you know, and Iverson justifies it by the forty one minutes a game he played. Yeah, you were there, you were there yeah. every game, and you gave it all, but. There, there's a better version out there for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, our friend Steven asked, you know, what made him age poorly? And I would assume that he's discussing like literally like how quick he fell off at the end of his career. Yeah. And it was purely the way he took care of himself and the way he lived. Yeah. He, he wouldn't lift. Uh, he didn't lift weights. He's like, he, he said, he, what'd he say one time? Uh, I, I, I don't, they asked him about lifting weights. He's like, that shit's heavy. Like he, he yeah. wants to go <laughs> right. like that. Right. Um, you know, in this, you know, in the same press conference, he says, "If I come in here, I'll swole next year. You automatically give me the MVP." He's like, "That's crazy talk." Like, it, but you weren't going to talk him into it. He didn't. You know, that's where Kobe, you know, his body was a temple. Everything was thought out. Everything, yeah. was, and, yeah. and it paid off. That's what I said. It paid yeah, off. It, Iverson was the opposite. No, nah, it was Taco Bell and late nights and <laughs> and, and, all, and all that. And and that's 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 what it was. You you can't you play forty one minutes a game and don't take care of your body like it's going to sh- it shut down. He shut down. And once yeah. he lost a step, that was it because he didn't have mm-hmm. another. You know, there, there's where we talk about his game didn't evolve. You know, he could have became he could have came a, you know, he could have had the, a Ray Allen five years like Ray had there at the end, but. He just he didn't he never evolved into that player and that was his choice. Yeah. Um, you know I'm not going to hold it against the guy, right or wrong. You know, so uh, yeah, his career was weird. He, you know he gets finally gets goes to Denver, doesn't have a bad run there. Then he had that weird like went to Detroit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he went to, <laughs> like he went to Detroit and then he like left. Uh, there was some weird stuff in there and then he tried to go. I think he went to Turkey and played a little bit. Um, and it's rough. Go ahead. What's so funny is um, so at the time this was maybe like 2009. So the Wizards 
had training camp in in my home in, in my um in Richmond, Virginia. So they had an exhibition against the Memphis Grizzlies, and I, I, this is when I knew it was over for him in the NBA. <laughs> So they're playing and what have you, and we, everybody's like, oh, you know, the, the, the feature is Allen Iverson. So they're in a huddle, and I don't know what quarter it was. They're in a huddle now. They all kind of huddle together. Like, you know, like you see an NBA bench. Why is Allen Iverson, like, about 10 chairs away from the, from, from the first um, – from the bench? Yeah. Just sitting there, you know, almost like Bernie <laughs> Sanders style. I was like, oh, boy, this is it. This is over. Yeah, because at that time we already kind of knew it was over, but that let me know like that was that was literally the nail in the coffin. Yeah, it it, it just it was quick and it just he fell off and he's like, okay, I'm out. Um, it was so weird, man. Uh, how that how that all went down. It, it was just crazy. So, yeah, yeah, like Stephen brings up, yeah, the steals, the steals. Right. I mean, Allen Iverson, one of the top steal guys of all time. Uh, he had, he, I think he led in steals three seasons. It's funny listening to him. Another man, I tell you, just just go listen to interviews of Allen Iverson. He's like, yeah. he's like, uh, <laughs> he's like, well, why can't I get Defensive Player of the Year? And he was talking about how he taught Larry Hughes everything he knows, and then everybody's talking about how what a great defender Larry Hughes is. And Allen's like, I, I'm the one that taught him all that. Like they never talk about. He wasn't scared to do that, but it came off so genuine that it didn't. Right. That's <laughs> where LeBron and Jordan, those guys take so much flack for how disingenuous yeah. they are. Iverson was quite the opposite. Like everything he said, you're like, all right, you know, I, I believe him. Like, you know, and I think yeah. that's something, I think that's something we all loved about him. So, all right. So here we go. A couple, couple quick questions. Uh, is the answer the greatest nickname in basketball history? <laughs> It's it's up there. It, I like the answer. Five, I think. Yeah, it's it, the answer. I like that. I love. It. Gonna, are we going to call magic a nickname? Because if magic's a nickname, it, it it that might be the yeah yes yeah, 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 if magic if you if yeah if, yeah because his real name is Irvin so yeah yeah so, so, there you go yeah magic. it would be a nickname yeah it would be magic but the the answer is a, is it's awesome I mean that's another thing well so yeah. Yeah, because his first shoe was the question. That was yes, that yes. We <laughs> yeah. should talk about the shoes for a minute. So him and Reebok basically took on Jordan, um, mm. which was unheard of back then. I mean, Jordan, you know, he was he was retiring, or when Everson came in, he wasn't retired. But um, Jordans were king, and you didn't challenge it. And Reebok comes out and puts the questions, and then the answers on Allen Iverson and they were one of the most popular shoes in the history of time. Um, yeah. was you, were you a shoe guy? Were you an answer guy? No, I was still, I was Jordan. I was like, yeah, I, I even though I do like them now and it's funny cause they, they starting to come back out again. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're huge. The right ones. Now. And yeah. I remember, and I think how, oh, cause they used to, I don't know if they still have it or not, but I remember, um, they used to have a Reebok outlet. I think they might still have it. Yeah. But they used to have, and I was like, at that time, I won't feel them. But now, like as an adult, I'm like, man, these are he's kind of fire. Like, you know, and they have them in different types of colors now. So that's yeah. the thing about it. Well, it's just like, eesh. yeah, they're they're a great yeah, shoe. I remember, like, so my son told the story. So my nephew had the answers, and my son was too small to get the answers, but <laughs> he wanted to be Allen Iverson, so he would. He would put on his shoes, and then when he put on his shoes, he could fit into my nephew's shoes and wear them around. That's how much. That's how much he wanted to be Allen Iverson. How much he wanted the answers and the shoes and all that. Like they were, they're super important. This cultural stuff, like you know, it it doesn't age well because because you you can't remember it. And if you're too young, that's not your. It's nothing negative about it. But like 
it's 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 hard to describe the impact that he had on culture of sports. Uh, it was just I, like I say, the closest thing is like when hip hop, you know, blew up in the late eighties or mid eighties, whenever. Yeah. You know, that that's the closest thing I can describe it to is like, you know, half the people were like, I don't get it. This won't work. And the other half were like, I've been waiting for this. I didn't know we were waiting for Allen Iverson, mm-hmm. but now we know that yep. that's who we've been waiting for. And they, you know, to give him a chance at the number one pick is unheard of uh, for that size and, and, and everything and the skill set. Uh, but it worked, man. It worked. Uh, he's truly an icon. So oh, I got I got to pin you down. Where do you don't you have to give me an exact number. Where do you rank Iverson all time NBA all time players? And you can factor in everything. You don't have to just go by the court. You can factor in everything. Um, and that's and it's funny because we and it's and it's funny like because we in the group chat we were kind of talking about like as far as the MJ LeBron comparison, and then we and and then it's funny and it kind of ties down to what we talk about now as far as the impacts. You know, because today we really talked about a lot of stuff. That I think a lot of people will forget because especially now and I and I'm glad you pointed out the Curry thing because you know how now people are saying like he's one of the most influential athletes in the last thirty years, and I'm like, no, like I get it, I get it if you're like you know, maybe, you know, 20 or so. Yeah, I get right. that. But as, a, you know, as us respectively in our, you know, late 30s, early mid 40s, we know Al Navison set that bar. Oh, he yeah. was, he was, you know, so we look at how, how now the Martin athlete is. It's almost like when we, and it's funny when you talk about how, like how LeBron and all those guys are kind of like vocal in a sense and kind of don't have that I don't care kind of attitude. It's almost like in the next level of what Al Napson was at the beginning. Because that's how Al Napson really was. And we like we talked about it earlier as far as we talked about the dress code and we just talked about how the all the perceptions at that time of how he was. I think from if you look at it from the whole totality as far as and what's so sad about it all is is you want to put him in the top ten because you look at the fact that the if you if I if I if I had to put potential oh. as a layer, yeah. he would be in that, and then also the impact t- coupled with the impact because I think more so of the game because like you said, we're gonna forget about the stats per se in the next you know 15, 20 years, yeah. and they'll be but, crushed by then. Yeah, yeah, he'd be crushed, and a new generation will form, and then you know Al Navison will be almost like in, in a history book that's unread. Yeah, but the impact of what he is, and this even stuff that's going on to this present day, is just it's unmatched. I mean, it, obviously Jordan is the bar, but Al Navison is just is right there as well. And along with like LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, those you know those influential, iconic, no pun intended, yeah, <laughs> from more, players. More but no, he does he does belong in there, and especially for and the height. And that's the thing is too, where a lot of people will, and, and you know, and it's that just me saying it, but you know, his peers, if he was Jordan size, he would probably want to be one of the greatest players of all time. Oh, it would no be no question. And you think that, ability right. off the charts, off the charts. We're, we're talking about a guy who is not even, I don't even think he's six feet. Most honestly. most people that have met him say that he's he might, <laughs> yeah. he's lucky to be five eleven. That's most people that have met him. Yeah, and you look at that, and then with him being 165 pounds, and you got to think yourself, it has to make any sense whatsoever, especially in, in at that time when the league was so physical, and for him to kind of break through that. and Over 900 you know, games. Right. 900 games. And, yeah, to me, if I look at it, I, I'll probably put him in a, at least like probably top 25. I, th- I, I think around 
I put him in the 20, yeah, 20 factor in every, in yeah. area. Like, I, I'm with you, man. I think that people don't realize that players off the court, you know, every, you know, the playing styles, like, you know, we, we talked, we'll actually, we'll, we'll touch on that just in a second. But we talked yeah. about Kirby as far as off the court players act more like Iverson now than they do Jordan. Cause Jordan, right. you know, we know how buttoned up Jordan was. We know how he did it, and it worked. He made his billion dollars. He owns a team now. He Jordan did what he knew he needed to do to get to where he's at now, and I don't – no problems with it whatsoever. Could he have spoke up on stuff, you know, and had a huge influence? Of course. But, once again, it's not his job. You know, he did it on the court. But he, but he also – the long game – and that's why I always defend Jordan when everybody talks about, you know, you know, we talked about this when we did the podcast about the last dance last year. Jordan takes so much heat because he wasn't Iverson. He didn't speak up. He didn't call people out. Well, here's what I know. Jordan got also got himself in a position where he's a minority owner of an NBA basketball team. So you sometimes you got to look at the long picture and and what these now if Jordan would have never done anything and disappeared, I would have probably called that a failure. But now look at the influence he has. I mean, he started a NASCAR team for Bubba Wallace. So just to compare like you know, everybody's automatically like, you know, Iverson did it better. No, he just did it different. Yep. No, he just did it different, you know. Um, so yeah, I've got I've got him around 20 because of influence and all that. Uh, and like like I said, I already touched on it, but like players that kind of remind me of him now. Um, you know, like you know, John Morant's got a little Iverson in him as far as the you know, explosion. It's Curry, I think, is the closest one. I know that to watch the highlights, they don't look the same, but we've already talked about yeah. the open floor and allowed to do what you can do it at a, at, a, at a slightly smaller size than everybody else and all that. So those are guys, those are guys that, um, you know, kind of remind me, but yeah. you know, everybody wants to be AI, man. Yeah. And that's, and that's Steven's point too, where, and that's, and it, and it kind of ties in what we were saying in the beginning of if he would have went to Toronto and how that Isaiah Thomas, Allen Iverson dynamic would have worked. Yeah. And it, that's, that's another, that's, that's like a, a, the ultimate what if. The only thing I wonder about that. Is because Isaiah Thomas has proven to be a bit of um, a gatekeeper over the years. It, so to this, like, I don't know, like, is that the guy that would have made Isaiah like, okay, I need to take this young man and help him out and make him the, the guy that I was? Or do, do they just clash? And and can Isaiah, does Isaiah trade him the next year? I, it's, it's complete what ifs. I don't know. Both their, I know both their careers are different. Um, if, if that happens, I can tell you that. Um, is Toronto more accepting of AI? Do do Americans like AI as much if he's if he's a, wearing a Raptors jersey instead of the that? I mean, the Sixers uniforms back then were pretty tight. I like that black and red. You could sell that. Um, yeah, I just don't know. And then, and that's another thing where he he could have became an international superstar. Well, you know, as far Maybe. as right, like, and when we think about, um, you think about we think about. Vince Carter, as far as his, you know, as far as how he is in Toronto, folklore, yeah. just a mad. And then, yeah, I love the Sixers uniform back then. Those yeah. were good. Were then, dope. you know, then the Raptor with the actual dinosaur <laughs> on it. That was that was that was dope. AI and purple, purple. <laughs> like. But yeah, I mean, you and that's another thing too, where that would have probably took his a life of his own as well. Like, is how. How you know how Canadians would have essentially acquiesced to Al Navison? Like if it would it would the perception would have been a little bit different 
than what it was in the United States. And definitely at that time on a team on a rise, well, not on a rise, but an expansion team at that, which that would have, you know, that could have definitely been his team. He would have, that basically that would be his that team. His team. That would have been his team to this right. day. The Sixers had Dr. J, Moses Malone, championships. Yeah. Um, it's a, um, yeah, yeah, you're right. That would have been his team. <laughs> that would have been wild, man. That would have been wild. And, or, and how does Toronto not get Nash in that draft? I know that nobody would have drafted Nash second, but if Toronto winds up with Nash, Nash is the the, the biggest Canadian star in history. Like yeah. he might pass Shania Twain. <laughs> right, right. He's yeah. He's 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 next level. He's he he would be a uh, a hybrid of a Celine Dion as well. <laughs> Celine Dion, the, uh, the, the folklore, <laughs> right? As far as the folklore and um, and, it'd be it would be Steve Nash and Maple Syrup. That would be the two things. Like that would be it. That'd be the <laughs> list. Uh, no Definitely. offense, man, I love y'all. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right, man. I, I, that was a. I, we we scratched. I think we scratched the surface. Uh, I, I hope we got people thinking more about AI. I hope younger people go back and watch press conferences, uh, yeah. watch interviews. Um, he's one of the more honest, you know, open athletes that you'll ever see. Uh, he's a true legend of the game. Um, I, I just, I just recommend do your research, go back and just watch highlights, just watch highlights all, all day long of Iris. It's, it's fascinating. I had one queued up here. We, we didn't quite get to it, but I mean, everybody's got YouTube. Everybody's got a, you know, something in there, you know, some, some sort of screen in their hand. They can go check out AI. Um, he's one of those guys that we're lucky enough that we have enough footage of him that, that you can do your own research. You know, if an old head like me is telling you, you know, how great Iverson is and you think I'm crazy and that he couldn't play in today's game, I would say go, <laughs> go just go watch the uh, go watch the AI mixtape. Uh, it'll be uh, it, it, it'll be a fun you know f- some of the funnest five or ten minutes of your life if, until you go down that rabbit hole. So that's it, man. Uh, so uh, yeah, AI man, absolute icon. And uh, I'm glad that he was my first episode, and I'm glad that uh, the Couch Coach Live was uh, my first guest. This has been a blast, man. Yeah. So uh, everybody go to offtheballnetwork.com. Check out everything we're doing. Uh, you know, go listen to Couch Coach Live. Watch his shows. Um, you see it right there, at Couch Coach Live. Find him on Twitter. Find him on Facebook. You know, find us everywhere. Uh, really a lot of great content on a weekly on a weekly basis coming out from the, from the whole crew at Off the Ball Network right now. And uh, support for uh, Jeff Needs Sports was brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners today, 20% off plus free shipping with the code JHUNT. That's capital J-H-U-N-T or capital O-T-B-N. Either one of those will get you 20% off at manscaped.com right now. And uh, we want to thank them for their support. Um, I, I, I truly, I, I don't endorse anything I don't believe in. And I believe in this product more than <laughs> is it, it might be saving lives. Manscaped might be saving lives, coach. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I am a witness. <laughs> <laughs> so once again, thanks for everybody. Check out Jeff Need Sports. Uh, check out Couch Coach Live. Check out Off the Ball Network. Uh, you're all the greatest. Be kind. And uh, we'll see you next time on another episode of Icons.